The gospel of Jesus Christ is alive today. It's transforming people's hearts throughout the world. This is Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, your host, welcoming you to another great study of God's Word through the trusted Bible teaching of our founder, Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Did you know that just as we open God's Word to Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 14, to study, others around the world are with us on the Bible bus? Our fellow passengers join us today in more than 250 languages, in big cities, small towns, remote villages. But what we all have in common is a love for Jesus and God's Word. It's always such a joy hearing stories like this one from a gentleman in Sudan, a very hard place to live. I'm happy because I have found your program. I found Jesus. Although I can't read properly, I understand what you are saying about the Word of God. I was raised as a Muslim, and at the age of 18, I married a lovely girl. We couldn't have children, and she was sure it was because of me. After four years of marriage, while I was traveling for work, she cheated on me. After that's when a lot of problems began. I started drinking, smoking, taking drugs, and I got caught after hitting one of my family members. Because of that, I was put in jail for a year. Many things cleared up while I was in prison. I discovered that the father that I knew was not my father. I asked my mother, and she admitted that my biological father was killed in the war. Many other things happened as well at that time, all of which I cannot share with you. But they affected me deeply, and one day I was drunk and fell on my face. I knew I hit rock bottom, and that's when I met Jesus. A friend told me that he is the way, the truth, and the life. I confessed my sins, and I accepted him. It was all like a dream. Through listening to your programs, I have decided to follow Jesus each day and not let go of him. He saved me, and he will not let go of me. Praise God. Please pray for me that my faith continues and I'll be sustained in it. What well, would you join us as we pray for listeners like this one and all over the world? Sign up for our world prayer team at ttb.org forward slash pray. Now let's give this time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we stand on your word as it's proclaimed boldly to the nations. We pray that those in every corner of the world would hear your voice today and turn to you in faith. We ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's open to Philippians 1 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now our study today, friends, brings us back here into the first chapter of Philippians, and we're putting in at verse 14. I hope many of you have the notes and outlines. If not, we have a set here for you. There's no charge for that. Last time, we noticed that Paul said that the things that had happened to him had happened for the furtherance of the gospel rather than the hindrance of the gospel. Because I'm sure that when Epaphroditus brought this letter and gift from the Philippians, it was a note of deep sympathy and love for Paul. And they were distressed that the gospel apparently was not going out. That was their conclusion that since Paul was in prison. Now, Paul says, instead of it being hindered, actually it's going to the exact places that the Lord said it would go to. He said, I'm in prison in Rome, but there's chain to me. And that was the method. Every day there'd be a changing of the guard and a new man would be chained to the apostle Paul. And they let him do that rather than put him in prison. He was in his own hired house. And I would say that the surroundings at that time were not too uncomfortable because, after all, this man chained to him as a member of the Praetorian Guard. 
And that meant he was a patrician. He belonged to the upper class in Rome. Only Italians belonged to it. Now, Paul has chained to him for several hours each day a member of the royalty. What do you think Paul talked about? I imagine they talked about the weather. Probably the man asked him about what the charge was against him and probably asked him about what conditions were over in the east. How was it in Asia? He'd heard about it, and probably as a soldier, he would be sent out to that area. However, very few of these guards ever left the Roman area. And Paul now ministers to him. Paul is able to say to this man, I have something to tell you. I'm in bonds because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that now, as the Lord had said it first, he had said, this man, Saul of Tarsus, will appear before kings and rulers. Well, he's made it now. He's peering before them. And therefore, it was falling out. And then there was something else here. Notice verse 14. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And you see that in the church. There were many men who had loved to have gone out as witnesses. Fact of the matter is, they would have. But having heard the apostle Paul, and I think Paul, though not very impressive to look at, I think to hear him would have been very impressive. And he spoke in the power of the Spirit. And I'm sure that many folks said, well, look, Paul is out going up and down Roman roads preaching the gospel, and he does it so much more effectively than I can do it, so I'll not be going out. He felt like, as many folk feel today, I'm not worthy, I'm not competent, I'm not trained. And as a result, why, there were not many going up and down preaching the gospel. Now, word goes out to the churches in the Roman Empire that Paul the Apostle is at Rome in prison, and he can no longer go out as a witness for Jesus Christ. I am confident that literally at this time, hundreds of men, maybe thousands, hit the Roman roads. They hit the pavement. They really moved out and went even from Doa to Doa and began to witness for Christ. And Paul says here, very frankly, many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds. They say, Paul can't go, I'll go. And many went out. So Paul can sit there in prison and say, well, I was out by myself with, of course, a few others, but now literally there are hundreds and maybe even thousands out preaching the gospel. He's being multiplied. So he says, what's happened to me has happened for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, I want to add a third reason. Paul doesn't mention it, but it certainly is true. And it is this, that we can only get this from the perspective of history. I'm sure Paul at that day, he may or may not have thought of it. He could have, but he certainly doesn't mention it. And it is this, that you and I today have four prison epistles that are the very choice epistles. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, all marvelous. And we wouldn't have them if Paul hadn't been in prison. I'm sure the Lord might have worked out some other way, but this just happened to be the way he did it. So 
All of these are the reasons that it's happened for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, Paul lets us in on something that was tragic in that day, and it happens to be tragic in this day. And it is just simply this that, well, let me read it. Verse 15, "...some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill." Now, this to me, when I first began to read it and study it years ago, was unbelievable. I could not believe that the preaching of the gospel of Christ could be done in envy and strife. But friends, I've been at this a long time, and I've seen that one of the things that hurts the preaching of the gospel today, and I think probably as much as anything, one is envy and the other is strife. Both of these today can hurt the gospel. Now, Paul is going to mention envy and strife again. In fact, several times in this epistle. And apparently, there were those that were going around preaching in envy and strife. They were envious, actually, of the apostle Paul. They felt like they couldn't quite do it like Paul. And one of the things that I think is the answer to envy is for every Christian to recognize that he has a gift. We all do not have the same gift. And the problem is that some men who do not have a gift are envious of those that have another gift. And gifts are to be exercised, as Paul, you remember, told the Corinthians. He says it's to be done in love. In fact, every gift is to be exercised in love. And when that gift is exercised in love, it can never be exercised with the thought of, for instance, he says, love suffereth long, is kind. Love envieth not. You see, love never says, oh my, I wish I had your gift. The Lord sure shortchanged me. I wish I could do as you do. Well, my friend, we don't all have the same gift. And love, if your gift is exercised in love, well, you'll not envy somebody else. And it means something else. It vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. And it's not a gift that says, well, look at me. I can sing, or I can preach, or I can teach. You never do that. You recognize that this is a gift of God. And as Paul put it very plainly and bluntly, he said, what do you have that you didn't receive? Everything you've got today, friends, God gave it to you. But here was some going out, and they were preaching Christ of envy. Envy, you know, what it really means, I don't think much of you. And pride says, what do you think of me? <laughs> That's the difference between pride. And both of them are something we are warned against. You remember in the book of Proverbs, it was pride that we were warned against. Now, here it's envy in this epistle. One of the great sins in the church. In fact, envy and strife, and the word strife is quite an interesting word here. Actually, this word strife is a word that has to do with eris. It comes from that word. Stirring up, there were these spirits, actually demons of that day, and they stirred up strife. And you find envy and strife. 
that causes so much problem today. I would say these two little fellows hurt the church more than anything else. I don't think it's liquor and alcohol and drugs on the outside that hurts the church. I think it's envy and strife on the inside that hurts the church. And he says, also some preach Christ of goodwill. But now, what's Paul's attitude toward that? He's in prison. He can't answer them. Well, he says, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. They preach Christ, but not sincerely. They do it actually to try to show up Paul. And Paul, what would be his reaction to that? And Does that find a place today? Well, notice this first here. He says, "...the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel." Now, what about these two? Paul says, "...what then? Notwithstanding every way." That is, in either case, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. Yea, he says, I will rejoice. Paul says... The important thing is that Christ be preached. Now, I think it's tragic that Christ is preached in envy and strife. And all you have to do is look about you today, and you'll find that he's preached that way many times. But you can rejoice that Christ is being preached. Sometimes folks say to me, because I've been a little rough, I guess, on female preachers. I used to carry on a battle here in Southern California with them, And they all said they prayed for me, and, of course, they prayed that I'd be lenient on female preachers. But, as I said on several occasions, some of these women are preaching Christ better than the average male preacher is preaching him. And what is my position? Why, I rejoice. Thank God Christ is being preached. Dr. Ironside tells the story of walking through a park up in Oakland, California, many years ago, and a woman was there preaching, and his brethren friends said to him, My, isn't it a shame that this woman is here preaching? Dr. Ironside says it's a shame that there's not some man to take her place. That is the problem. Thank God that Christ was being preached. That's the important thing. And when the Word of God is given out, we can rejoice in it. Now, there are a great many folk today that are getting concerned about home Bible classes. Well, I'm rejoicing in them because sometimes some of them go off on a tangent, but not any more so than the churches go off or that the radio preachers go off, for that matter. And we can rejoice that the Word of God is being taught today. That's the important thing. Paul has given us a tremendous example here, as you can see. He says, "...the one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds." and the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. Now, the interesting thing is that though Christ be preached, not sincerely, people get saved. You see, God honors his word, not a man or an organization. I think we need to recognize that today, and I wish more and more people do that. I have people that write in personally, and they write into our radio Minister, and they're so gracious and kind in saying things. But friends, if there's any blessing that can possibly come even from this small voice today, the Spirit of 
God is the only one that can bring blessing. We need to recognize that. And he can only bless as the word of God is given out. And that's what we want to do is to give out the word. Now, Paul says he'll rejoice, he does rejoice, and he will rejoice. And if Paul's going to do that, I'm going to join with him and rejoice. Now, verse 19, he says, "...for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer." Now, when he says salvation here, I think he means his physical deliverance from prison. I think that that's the thing he's speaking of in this particular case. And the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, he says here, through your prayer. And I'd emphasize that. Somebody said, why did you ask everybody to pray for you when you had cancer? Didn't you know that God would heal you? You go to him in prayer and, you know, and that type of thing. Oh, my friends, the Bible makes it clear that God hears and answers prayer of his people. And Paul recognizes that. He says, through your prayer, I'll be delivered. And we need today to ask God's people to pray for us. And the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's the only way you and I'll get that supply that we need. It won't get through to us except through prayer. Now, verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Now, Paul says, I don't want to be ashamed here in my witness. And I don't want to be ashamed when I come into the presence of Christ. Now, John mentions the fact that when Christ comes, takes his church out, that it's possible to be ashamed at his appearing. And I think more Christians ought to be concerned about that today. Now, I began years ago a prophetic congress in downtown Los Angeles that is spread over this entire area and has given a tremendous emphasis to prophecy. And this has been carried out across this country today. But I want to say this to you. There are too many people that are talking about the coming of the Lord that are not ready for the coming of the Lord. Oh, you say, aren't they saved? Yes, they're saved. But they're going to be shamed at his appearing. Their lives do not commend the gospel. Now, Paul says he didn't want to be ashamed at that time. Now, he puts down his philosophy for Christian living. As I said in each one of these chapters... There's a particular emphasis on Christian living. Chapter 1, it's the philosophy of Christian living. And that is all congealed and brought down to one verse in each chapter, whatever the subject is. What is Paul's philosophy? For me to live is Christ and to die gain. The verb is actually not there. As you'll notice that the is is in italics. For me to live, what? Christ. And to die, gain. What is gain? More of the same. You'll have more of Christ. Now, you're going to be with him someday. And I'm coming to the conclusion, it took me a long time to get here, friends. The most important thing in my life as a Christian is to have the reality of Jesus Christ in my life. I find out that's not too popular today. People like to talk about that they're dedicated and they want to serve him and they want to do this and that. Well, the most important thing is to have fellowship with him. That your joy might be full. And then there'll be power. Then there'll be witness. Then there'll be these things 
We are going after the end and forget all about the means. And by the way, the means does not always justify the end. We need to recognize that it has to be the right kind of means, and that is fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. For me to live, Christ, die, I'm going to go and be with him. You can't hurt a man like that. I wish I could come up to that level, and I wish I could say to you today, that's where I'm living today. Well, I can't say it, but I can say this to you, that is my goal. What a glorious one it is. Now he says here, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I choose, I know not. Paul said he didn't know. You and I don't know about the future. We don't know what a day will bring forth. Now he says, I'm in a strait betwixt to having a desire, and it could only be a desire. Paul says, I'd love to go and be with Christ right now. That'd be wonderful. To depart and be with Christ, that's the better of the two. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to stay down here when I had cancer. I wanted to stay, and I prayed God had let me stay. I always think of that story about in my Southland. It was in a church, and the preacher asked one night, how many of you want to go to heaven? Everybody put up their hands except the little boy down front. That little boy didn't put up his hand, and the preacher said to him, said, don't you want to go to heaven? He said, I sure do. But he said, I thought you were getting up a load for the night, and he didn't want to go tonight. I feel the same way about it. I'm like Paul, to stay as needful. And I'd like to stay around for a while and give out the Word of God. I've just now got to the best part of my ministry. I don't want to leave it. I want to stay with it. And I'm asking God to let me stay. How wonderful it is. Now, Paul says, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you for your furtherance and joy of faith. Paul says, I want to be a blessing to you, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Paul wanted to get out of prison. He wanted to come and be with them again. How wonderful. Now, verse 27, only let your conversation. Now, this means your way of life. Be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or whether I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Oh, how God's people need to stand together for the furtherance of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. If the church was what it should be in the world today, the world would listen. Now, verse 29, "...for unto you it's given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake." And friends, that is the high calling of Christ Jesus. If you get to the place where he lets you suffer for him, you've arrived. I'm not sure I want to be in that class, but he put me in it whether I wanted it or not. I'm not a very good example, but my, that is a token of his blessing. Having the same conflict which he saw in me now here to be in me. In other words, Paul says, I've arrived, I'm in this class, but that's a token of blessing, not a token that God has turned his face against you. 
Well, we leave off right there, and we'll pick up right there next time, friends. So until then, may God richly bless you. If you or someone you love is in a difficult place today, visit ttb.org and download a free copy of Dr. McGee's booklet, Why Do God's Children Suffer? ttb.org is also the place to find out about the ways that we offer the notes and outlines that Dr. McGee mentioned. Or you can call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE, and we'd be happy to help you out. Now, one final thought by Dr. McGee. Victor Hugo wisely said, When I go down to the grave, I can say I finish my day's work. But I cannot say I finish my life. My life's work will begin the next morning. The tomb is not a blind alley. It is a thoroughfare. It closes with the twilight to open with the dawn. That's what Paul is trying to tell us in those wonderful prison epistles like Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon. Jesus made it home to him I home Sin had left a crimson Well, ride the Bible bus for five years and you'll be amazed at what God teaches you from his word about what it means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's a blessing that keeps on going. That's what we believe at Through the Bible.